Hey, y'all. Welcome to the SaaS Ramp Podcast. This is your host, Podcast Pete Thornton. As a reminder, I'm an enablement lead in an organization called Postman. As an enablement lead, I am often asked, when should I initiate the enablement function? So I have some answers for this out of experience and then some answers based on probably best practice. It's not always best practice that we follow in hypergrowth, right? It's like when the emergency happens, but we can kind of cover both. And then it'd be interesting to get your feedback on where you feel your organization is currently. Okay. So before we go through and be like, oh, when exactly and how and get very tactical on all these things, let's first define enablement. Okay. And let's not even define it as in like, what is the enablement function mostly do? Although I'll give that too. Let's go back to the definition of enablement because there are certain words that are utilized very frequently until they lose their meaning. And enablement is definitely one of them. Okay. So from the dictionary, right? The action of giving someone the means to do something. We're very broad here. So, but we, you can obviously understand this is a teaching, coaching, mentoring type of role, except for I would argue that we should be doing the teaching, coaching, mentoring at scale because having one-to-one -one interactions is more like what management might be able to handle. Again, that's why enablement exists because it's unable to be handled in that one-to-one -one function. But again, the action of giving someone the means to do something, someone, the means to do something very broad. There's another one and it had this little tag over top of it that said computing. So this is interesting. The act of making a system operational. I like both of these. That second one, is a little bit more like to my system's mind. I really, really like that one. The act of making a system operational. Okay, so that leads really, really well into this question of when to launch the enablement motion, when to la launch the function as a whole. To give an example, just the most recent example, I launched the enablement function at Postman. I was brought in by the head of customer teams over sales and customer success at the time. And, and my boss, still my boss right now today said, we need, we are about to lift an enterprise motion and we are about to hire hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people. Okay. That took place, uh, that took place just a few months after the series D funding. And it was not a second too late because then another two months after I was hired, we did launch the, the enterprise motion and it was launched a year in advance of originally scheduled, of previously scheduled timeframe. And so we were running from day one, absolutely running. And the hiring had already begun. All new leadership came through, all new reps came through. And so we grew from a team of one, myself, to a team of nine, actually now 10, if, uh, when, you're, when you're combining both of the customer teams together in a matter of 19 months. I don't necessarily recommend that. It would be a slower, steadier progression would be better. Okay, so let's look at the things that had happened at Postman for me to come to Postman and for us to ramp that team so quickly on the win. The first thing is, do you have product adoption? So is everything right on the product side? Not everything, but you know enough that a lot of people really love your product. At Postman, we have the product-led growth motion. It's a freemium. There are 20 million developers who utilize it. So there's actually four tiers. There is a free tier, two self-serve tiers, basically credit card swipes, and one enterprise tier that is sales-served. So amongst those, there's 20 million people who use it, and obviously the vast majority of those are freemium customers. 
One of the reasons why uh, Postman was able to wait to build the enablement function, I literally even physically able to wait until just past the Series D, is simply because they spent um, uh, the time to build that flywheel through Series B and C. Often, it's a little bit earlier, and we can talk about that a little bit earlier that that would come in. But the main thing is, do you have product adoption? Because that will lead to your sales and customer success leaders, which is the second piece of criteria. Do you have sales and customer success leaders in play? Are they there? Are they the people who say, I have a vision. This is how I want to cast the vision. Is there something essentially to operationalize? Because enablement can come in and help you come up with the answers. But a better use of enablement would be to the act of making the system operational. Scale what your leaders in that specific role want to move forward with. Scale and align. Those are the two places where enablement can provide their most, like the best fit, right? You can buy a software that's not a perfect fit, but it's getting the job done, still moving it forward, but it'd be better if it's a perfect fit to use more like sales and customer success terms. Okay. And the third one is super obvious. Are you about to hire like crazy? If you want enablement really badly right now, and all this is like, yes, 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 you probably already are. You probably already are. And now, you know, you're going to get somebody in. You're like, hey, uh, we have these problems because we hired all these people. And now we also still have more people coming in. And could you, could you create a pro program like Magic from scratch, you know, and just lift it? Every organization I go to, I make sure there's some kind of new hire rent program in play within 21 days because it, 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 because it would have been better if it was 2.1 days, right? So if you're hiring like mad, it's time because it does take time to bring in. The software is needed, scale the team, create the team, and create programs that can help your new hires so that you can move on into the continuous enablement motion of helping with the ongoing training. So those three pieces are when. Let's talk again about the series funding rounds because it's an interesting indicator of when a company might need an enablement function. Again, Postman with Series D, I've also come into an organization after acquisition and so it was acquired. There were no longer funding rounds moving towards more of something like a, yeah, you know, funding rounds into acquisition. It was fully acquired at that point, but they were doing a relaunch of some sort and they were going to turn over a lot of the hires that they previously had and they're going to have a, a go-to-market turnover. So it's a, it's a little bit of a, a, a similar kind of look and feel at that point to that organization. If it wasn't a product-led growth company, like super heavy on the product-led growth side that you were going to use all your previous funding rounds to push the product and push the engineering teams, because when I came in, we only had five customer success reps, five sales hires, uh, but we had 300 engineers or maybe 225 at that point. So huge engineering team. If not, then I would actually say if I'm making a, you know, a, a 30,000 foot view guess about this, it would probably be more likely to be a series B funding somewhere between 30 and a million dollars. You know, these days, some of them, the fundings are larger. So a series B would be an indicator that you had product adoption and you were trying to lift or validate an enterprise motion. Again, this podcast is actually most interested in that period of growth that I'm experiencing at Postman right now, which is in between product adoption and a, and a massively successful enterprise motion, validated enterprise motion, because that really is the final chasm. That is the most interesting last leg of a SaaS startup before they can pick and choose the time that they want to become acquired, move on into a, a, a publicly traded company with an IPO, or all the myriad of options that open up for the founders and CEOs at that point, which is really, really interesting. Again, 
Let's go through the definitions one more time. Enablement, action of giving someone the means to do something, the act of making a system operational, have product adoption, have sales and CS leaders in place who are, who are ramped on their own, making decisions, able to work with an enablement lead, and then hiring or uh, currently hiring, maybe that's a little too late, or about to hire like crazy. If you even give somebody a 90-day heads up, that would be a wonderful thing to bring in your enablement lead 90 days before you were about to hire like crazy. It would work out best for everybody. Sometimes indicated by a series B, not always depends on the situation, of course. Okay. Thank you. Thank you for the time. As a bonus, and I mentioned this in another podcast, as a bonus, let's do a bonus on here. We're not quite to 10 minutes. I always run these things over anyway, right? As a bonus, what's the team and tools you would need to bring on first? Okay. So... Again, these can all be done with only one enablement lead and all the free tools you can get your hands on. But if you weren't going to do it with free tools and you wanted to go as quickly as possible, I would recommend a sales enablement lead, somebody who's been in the, in the role before, meaning been in the sales role or customer success role or both. Okay. Maybe difficult to find, but with the, you know, with the heart and skill set of a teacher or coach but with the skill-based outcomes, perhaps, of sales and customer success. That would be my recommendation, having done it before at a like-for-like organization. Of course, that's the best thing ever, right? That person. The second role would be an LMS admin, and the third would be an instructional designer. That is so you can create the curriculum and put it into a learning management system to lift it as quickly as possible. I also recommend those second two hires just because they are simply less expensive to hire. If you don't have a sales or customer success, a go-to-market background, you, you typically don't demand as high of a salary. It's just a practical, a practical ideology there. If you could hire a second enablement person that did have that background and you could instantly have an onboarding and on, ongoing lead and create your teams that way, even better. It's a lot of different ways to do this. And you can start talking about vertical as in role-specific enablement and then horizontal. How do you align them across the various teams and how wide do they go? For example, we've actually created some engineering, new hire rent programs here so that we could just tie the sales or go-to-market team and engineering data together and help both sides. That is highly unusual. That's not something we're going to scale and do, please over the course of time, but it's something we have done before. So how wide are you going versus how role specific do you want to go? Anyway, those three would be recommended. It's about $350,000, $400,000 to have all three of those, depending on where you're hiring from, et cetera. You know how market prices are for headcount. The other thing would be the tools. And for the tools, I would recommend a learning management system. A learning management system, there are 800 learning management systems. They're not all made the same. But that is one of the softwares that we have gotten right over the years. Thing about a learning management system is very manual to add data to it and maintain data over the course of time. Again, why instructional design and an LMS admin, very helpful as you scale out over the hundreds of new hires that you have. But an LMS, very helpful to bring people from day one into job done with analytics and reporting on the backside. For a content management system, there's a lot of great content management systems out there, but you can get away for a period of time with simply using Google Drive. It's one of those things that people are going to want to use anyway. They're familiar with it. And so a content management system is just as heavy of a lift as a learning management system. I don't recommend them both at the same time unless you're really up against it like we are at Postman. We're just going so fast that we did bring them on both. If I had to only choose one, I'd choose the LMS. And lastly, 
One of my favorites, it's an expensive tool, but a call recording software is amazing and it's amazing across the organization. So much you can do with a call recording software. We use Gong. Chorus was also a good one. Gong's my favorite. And so if you're going to buy a tool, consider that one as well. Again, maybe 8x the price of an LMS, um, but it's going to also not require that manual lift and you will be able to do more things with it more quickly. So do recommend that as the second tool, the call recording software. Ping me if you have any questions about either one. I do have favorites. I do have recommendations. And for those jobs, I do actually have job descriptions if it's helpful to you. Yeah, shoot over a note. Thanks again for listening. Sass Rant Podcast, Podcast Pete, out. Mm-hmm.